Welcome to No Room for Phonies, the top 10 things that set your soul on fire. It's the middle of February, it's cold, I think it's around minus 15 outside today. And I thought I'd start today by just reviewing uh, this month's cocktail, the Campari uh, Crush. I'm finding out that there's all kinds of different versions of this. So we have tried uh, the, the one version, which is just crushed iced gin, Campari, ruby red grapefruit juice and a lime wedge. And but there's like if you uh, Google this, there's like a million of them. So uh, another one is 0.5 ounces of the finest call pomegranate syrup. One ounce of bar syrup, finest call bar syrup, one ounce of gin, half an ounce of Campari, an ounce of fresh lime juice, blackberries, two blackberries and lime. And then you're supposed to like muddle the fruit and then put it all together in your uh, crush. I haven't tried that one yet. The one we tried last night was um, two ounces of Campari, a half an ounce of Cointreau, five ounces of soda water, and we used lime. This says orange zest for garnish, and we also added a little bit of um, blood orange uh, soda, and it was really, 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 really good. So anyway, we're going to keep trying them throughout February, and then we'll have a new uh, um, a cocktail for March. So we're going to work our way with cocktails through the whole year. I've been sharing a lot about my vision and so this time I thought I would update you on some of the hashtags. I am still working on putting a website together so that's going to come and I'm going to also add a little bit of a blog about uh, some of the creative things I do like cooking and those and quilting and knitting and sewing and all the kinds of things that I do just kind of to add to this sort of lifestyle um, podcast blog website that I'm I'm working on so my whole big thing about um, my no room for phonies is the idea of living your best life and becoming a different version of yourself almost every day because you're better tomorrow than you are today so live your best life has become kind of my thing being true to myself sharing what I'm learning having fun and bringing opportunities for joy to others, stretching outside my comfort zone and connecting with others in more deep and meaningful ways. So No Room for Phonies is about living your best life, living life as it comes, motivating and inspiring others, being real, being mindful, being fearlessly authentic, being strong and flexible and positive, active and moving, working on self-development, finding joy in your journey, being self-aware, learning and growing, paying attention to your mental health, your wellness and your spirituality and gaining in self-confidence and love. So um, that's where I'm, what I'm trying to do with my life. And if I, by, by sharing the kinds of things that I'm trying to do and think about and write about and read about, if that um, helps somebody else, great. But for the most part, it, it it's helping me. And part of my journey is to um, be beyond myself, not just be about what I'm doing for myself, but taking the things that I'm I'm doing for myself and spreading it around 
uh, to other people. So uh, the podcast that I found this month is first person plural. It's uh, emotional. It's it's um, it actually is called first person plural um, EI and beyond. So have a look at it. It's a brand new podcast, but it's about emotional intelligence and even kind of more than that. So definitely want to uh, promote that podcast. And the book of the month that I read is the Oprah Winfrey Super Soul Sundays. And basically she interviews in her Super Soul Sunday show that she had a whole bunch of different people about spirituality and thankfulness and forgiveness and all the kinds of things that actually set our soul on fire. So I thought it was appropriate to recommend that book and I do uh, highly recommend it. It It was really, really, really well done. So now for the top 10 things that set my soul on fire. And uh, I think one of the things that really sets my soul on fire is creating. Creating anything, especially something for someone else. Valentine's Day came is came, and I've been kind of delivering cookies and treats and all kinds of things to people. That really does set my um, soul on fire. So... I think if you find a way to be creative and kind um, towards someone else, befriend someone who's lonely, introducing yourself to your neighbors, we've made a connection with our neighbors and uh, it's been really fun to watch their little girls and drop them off treats and do all those kinds of things. But there's so many things you can do and all you have to do is, well, if you're, you know, um, wanting to be creative and you just are stuck, Google things you can do to be creative in your community. And my gosh, I Googled and I got a list of like 134 things in one thing. Paper thank you notes, um, pay for someone's coffee or toll or fare, uh, like for the person behind you. I've had that happen to me at Tim Hortons where I got up and they said oh the person behind in front of you just paid holding the door open playing cupid I got to do this once in my life when I was a principal and two um, of my staff you could see the spark uh, uh, growing between them so um, yeah we had some fun encouraging that something that involved an orange dragon that we uh, dropped off in somebody's uh living room. I mean, it was just, we just did crazy fun things. And they're married with two kids. So you can be encouraging and thankful. You can not get angry when somebody's trying to merge in traffic. You can say, thank you a lot. Everyone works hard. So saying thanks to the postal worker, the government employee, the bus driver, the grocery cashier, especially right now when things are so tense and people are just feeling overwhelmed a lot. You can just call your parents and say that you love them. And I'm going to say from my perspective, I wish that I had the opportunity to do that still in my life is to, you know, have be able to speak to them because my parents are gone. Um, Sometimes it's just about uh, spreading your skills. If you have a photography or a cooking or some kind of skill, just give freely and uh, offer to get groceries for someone. Like there's so many things. Make extra copies of photos. I know now we do everything digitally, but I'm going to see. 
there is something about um just sending uh an actual photo to someone of an image of themselves making sure that you're really honest and tell the people who you care about that you care about them because especially um in these times i think it's people need to hear that there's people out there who care about them um, when I was a principal in Niagara-on-the-Lake, we um, sent letters to soldiers. And in the end, we had an opportunity that one of the soldiers actually came for Remembrance Day. And the kids, it was a really meaningful experience for the kids and a real lesson in, you know, what kindness uh, can do for you. Try to find good in someone you don't like. That takes some creativity, I think. Um know when people are having major life events and and continue to encourage them don't nag be kind to yourself let it go notice a kid being well behaved tell the parents wow that's really cool that um your kid is doing such a good job like don't complain be optimistic look for the best in situations stand up for the underdog Come to the rescue of someone in need. These are all really easy, creative ways of, um, you know, just uh, making the making the world a better place. And to me, that really does set my soul on fire. Is that I have the opportunity to tip generously and say hi to strangers and smile at people, and you know, offer somebody a ride or, you know, get to your, get to your friend's kid's event, like whatever it is, create a dress up box for a kid, all kinds of, you know, fun ways of doing stuff, picking up the tab, really going out of your way to avoid gossip. I really find like if somebody, you know, I'm in a group and somebody starts it up, I'm like, yeah, no thanks and change the subject spread the word like you know you know of somebody doing something great or opening a business get out there and spread the word for them leave some pennies on the sidewalk or nowadays i think it's more like quarters or loonies on the sidewalk for kids to find like just all kinds of things that you can creatively do and being creative um <clears throat> sets my soul on fire i don't like leaving people hanging I love to um, listen to somebody's life story and hear how they're feeling. Think being happy for others. Enthusiastic when someone else has good news and not kind of poo-poo it. Like go out there and go all out in being in your enthusiasm. My husband just recently got a new position and it was interesting the reactions that people had like you know, some of the more, you know, we're just all out excited and happy for him, no reservations. And it was just so great to see that as a, you know, a, a way of being, um, you know, kind and, you know, setting his soul on fire as well. Give knowledge that you have spread goodness. So creativity is the first thing is number 10 for me that sets my soul on fire and the other thing that sets my a soul on fire is compassion and true empathy so um empathy is the ability to identify and understand another person's feelings 
and compassion is a feeling of sympathy, pity, and concern for the misfortune of, of others. So it's compassion cut goes to that level of action, in my opinion. If you're empathetic, you can see it and understand it and identify it. But when you're compassionate, you feel it in, in, your, in your bones, that sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, and then um, if you're empathetic, it doesn't really necessarily mean that you're motivated to um, help the person. But if you are empathetic, you are like definitely you're going to get in there and help that person out like you're going to do something about it. So empathy invokes understanding, but compassion, you start, you feel it in your own bones, pity, sympathy, concern, like all those things. And uh, empathy uh, implies that you understand the other person's situation. <clears throat> and, uh, but compassion is about being motivated to help someone. So I've really like, certain situations you can only sort of empathize with because you there is nothing you can do about it but in situations where I can help I have become um, more in tune with the the compassionate side of me like when someone loses someone or <clears throat> something happens to someone I find myself um, feeling that feeling that you know having a, a true deep feeling about it and then thinking okay what is the appropriate thing that I can do uh, to help that person and so that's kind of the difference between empathy and compassion but em compassion really does set my soul on fire so number eight is learning and understanding and uh, I am on a real journey for learning. I take a lot of courses right now. I'm in the middle of a mindfulness course. And I'm also um, following along, um, learning about uh, exercises that I can do through a physiotherapist to uh, open up my shoulders and feel better at that part of my body. Plus, I follow the HasFit uh, workout group and tribe, they call themselves. So I'm always trying to learn and understand about what's good for me, what's good for others, how I can be a better person. And that's all about changing your perspective. And when I see a new perspective, that really does set my soul on, on fire. So for me, it's what I understand about myself, my family, my personal um, relationships, my, you know, my aspirations for the future, my money and personal finances, my physical health, recreation and leisure, life's routine responsibilities like paying bills and getting the house clean and giving back and just that whole thing of emotional and inner well-being and how I can, how I can do better at that and be better at that, right? So, um... You know, for me, it's about finding a balance and knowing myself so that I can move forward and just be a better part of the world around me. And I, I think I'm really growing with that kind of discipline with um, balancing intuition and rigor and innovating myself around what my core values are and definitely not embracing the status quo. And I'm always looking for a new perspective to see something by and not expecting that sort of 
um, silver bullet of, you know, like a million dollars is going to land in my lap. I like to work. Um, I want to listen with empathy and then communicate with transparency. And I don't want others to define me. So, you know, I want to use some of these authentic experiences that I've had to inspire. Like recently, I'm doing this thing on mindfulness, and he's talking about you know, actually calling up someone and saying, you know, I forgive you for something in the past that's happened without an expectation that they're going to go, oh, yeah, no, I know I really made a mistake there. And I'm sorry, but kind of coming to terms with the parts of your life that you've neglected, and making some tough choices about some of the things you need to do in order to move forward. I think I'm pretty decisive in in times of crisis, but, um, you know, we find truth in our trials and our lessons and in in the mistakes we made. And I want to be responsible for what I see and hear and do. So, you know, that whole idea that learning and understanding is not just about, oh, yeah, I read this book, or I heard this speaker, or I did this, or I did that. It's about actually setting my soul on fire by what I know, because it's making me a better person and a more um, perspective-taking person. So I have found that um, I've read a whole bunch of books right now on the Nazis in Germany, and there seems to be a ton of books like that out there and uh see hearing those perspectives even though they are you know historical fiction and all that like it changes how you think about things and you just can't sometimes be silent about what's bad in the world you have to actually speak up and you can't let people walk all over you you have to set your boundaries and say no I'm not comfortable where with the way this conversation is going and you know, no, I I need to be positive about that. And I found that, um, you know, people who don't want to hear those things, they shy away from you. And that's okay. Like I, I know, particularly in this time of, um, you know, the pandemic and all that, that, you know, people when you're optimistic, people are like, yes, but I'm overwhelmed, and I'm sad. And, I, and so am I, I totally am. But I can't wallow in that. I have to grow in knowledge and compassion and understanding and be creative about the way I look at life because those are better choices for me. So when I, you know, make something for someone and drop it off or do something, then that changes my perspective on things. And when I, you know, look at things from... The, you know, the perspective of people who have it worse than I am and think I have no kind of business being negative or whatever because I have this so many uh, good things that are happening in my life. I have an income. I have all these things. And as much as we all have something to be sad about, I think dwelling on that instead of thinking about it in a way in which you can process it but move forward it is a better way to go and that comes from gaining in knowledge and understanding and perspective seventh thing that sets my soul on fire for sure is rejection 
Rejection actually piggybacks on some physical pathways in your brain. Um, the brain actually becomes activated when we experience rejection. And sometimes we do um, experience physical pain. I know I have f experienced physical pain um, from rejection because I've actually, you can actually feel like you have a headache that needs Tylenol. And um, it certainly, rejection certainly served as a vital function in our evolutionary past. We need it. Um, if in our hunting gathering past, if you were ostracized from your tribe, it was like death, a death sentence. So you weren't, you wouldn't survive. So I think the brain develops this kind of warning sign to alert us when we're at risk for being ostracized. Um, because in the past, we would have died from being ostracized. But um, because if you felt in the like in a time when you were actually going to die, that you were being ostracized, you'd correct your behavior and because you needed to remain with the tribe. I mean, now you have to decide whether, you know, it's worth it and you have to go through some of the things um you know, we have choices around whether the rejection is from someone who matters to us or whether it's time to move on from a relationship. But we all know that we can relive and re-experience social pain almost more vividly than physical pain, you know. Um, but if you elicit uh, a painful rejection, like a, an early boyfriend or a time when you know, you were bullied at school. I mean, those kinds of things have caused people to um, be suicidal because we are social animals who live in tribes. Like, that's just who we are. And rejection just destabilizes our need to belong and because we have that fundamental need to belong to a group. It's why it's so difficult to speak up against something when you know everyone in the group is going to kind of say, are you kidding me? Like, whatever. So, um, you know, it's just rejection sets your soul on fire. It's, it's, it's a really, to me, it's a, it's a really tough one. Um, it can create surges of anger and aggression. Like you, we know when we talk about school shootings and violence and all that sort of thing that that is I mean if you watched at all the the, tr the impeachment for Donald Trump and how difficult it was for some of those um, senators to consider it even that's about rejection they don't want to be voted out and their perception is that they would be voted and reject and rejections is like on a mission to destroy our self-esteem so it really does um, set our soul in fire because we start, you start finding fault, questioning yourself, bemoaning your inadequacies, kicking yourselves. You know, it just does blaming yourself. I've done that so many times for things. I mean, when I um, experienced the issues that I had at the end, you know, some of them in as a leader in my school setting and I knew I was doing the right thing but it was like I would say sometimes walking uphill against uh, you know in sand like it almost 
they say that it, it actually lowers your IQ, that you're, um, you have issues with your short-term memory and your decision-making and rejection. It doesn't even, at some times, it doesn't even respond to what we would consider to be reasonable thoughts. Like if you actually stop and say, okay, I'm being rejected now, what part of this is truth and what part of this is lies and what part of this is an attack? So, I mean, rejection is something that really does uh, set your soul on fire. So you need to pay attention to um, emotional pain, rejection, and um, address the wounds, the the pain, the anger, the aggression, the, you know, what it does to our self-esteem. So, and, and to learn to kind of take a step back into your past and say, yeah, I felt rejection there, but what was true about that and wasn't? Like, um, I'm thinking of times when, um, you know, I went to a more, it's crazy, a more um, higher class high school, but I came from the countryside. And so we were often ostracized and rejected just simply because we came from the countryside. So if I go back, I can feel the physical pain of that rejection. But my logical self says the truth was there was no difference between any of us. And that, that those were just made up horrible things that people did because we came from different places. So I think as an adult, on a mature adult, you have to go back, think about it, and then truth your way out of that uh, feeling until you're like, no, that's ridiculous. So the idea of rejection for sure can really set your soul on fire. So number six to go along with that um, is rage as well. Like that sets my soul on fire. Seeing someone in a rage or being as a, in a rage. Anger is a critic, right? Re referencing like civil rights and and um, all these other movements, the Black Lives Matter, like anger communicates injustice and inequality. And it reveals problems and impacts society. And it helps us to kind of make sense of power relationships. And anger is is a criticism as well. Well, anger can challenge the status quo. So like a military coup or fascism, but if you feel out of control, you have to walk away from a situation ter temporarily until you cool down. Like I will use the January 6th example in the States. Like it's fully okay to be angry and whatever, but you can't do the kinds of things that um, happened that day. You can't kill people because you're angry. So you know, I think we have to um, recognize and accept it's, a, it's just a normal part of life. And you have to really stop and say, okay, why am I angry at this? And you, you have to be able to remedy something within what is called normal. So you go for like, for me, how do I hand, handle when I'm very angry? Usually I walk. I get out in the fresh air and I walk. Sometimes you can talk to somebody. You can let them know that anger is, you know, life 
it, there are angry moments in life, but you have to express yourself appropriately. And I, I, I don't have an understanding for anger and destruction. I think that if we taught critical thinking skills and problem solving skills more to kids and open and honest communication with people, we wouldn't have the opportunities for hurt, rage, rejection, like all those things that come out of, um, you know, that appropriate feeling of anger where it crosses a line. And there's consequences for aggression and violence, but not appropriately expressed anger. So that, and that all goes back to, you know, the idea of the importance of teaching self-regulation to people. And how do you, what do you do about how you feel about your disappointment or your frustration or your whatever in life? You don't go and punch somebody. And I mean, as a principal, I dealt with this all the time. Well, I was angry at him. Yes, but an appropriate expression of anger is not punching somebody or kicking them or spreading a lie about them. Like there's got, you've got to be able to regulate yourself better than that. Number five, um, of setting my soul on fire is peace and balance success. That means I've achieved peace and balance, understanding what I can control and what I can't control being sort of in that balanced state, body, mind, and spirit and taking responsibility for every aspect of my life. So, but not giving successive self-blame and no victim mentality, but just seeing life from all these perspectives and not holding grudges and not people pleasing. Like it's a lot of freedom that I'm talking about. That whole idea of what I said at the beginning, I'm working on self-awareness, self-regulation, an appropriate amount of self-esteem, find time to be alone and be quiet and, you know, get into a state of meditation challenging my negative thoughts when someone rejects me, understanding what a healthy relationship really looks like, that it, you know, if someone is crossing the line all the time with you and treating you disrespectfully, dealing with that and moving on so you have freedom, so you're not um, involved with greed or defensiveness or control, and you're not focusing on perfection, but you're focusing on growth. So that idea of balance sets my soul on fire. Unconditional love is number four. Love's not how you feel. It's about how you act. And if you treat love as a feeling, you're looking to get something from someone else. And your love for them can't be based on what that person does or says. You are going to act the same way regardless of how someone behaves. And, you know, never is that more true than when we look at our children especially as they become adults, because they often make choices and do things to us that are hurtful. But that's not what it's about. And you have to adapt your love to others. You make a conscious decision every day and in every new situation that comes along. And it, it just is a person by person kind of a decision every day about you know, what, how you're going to be, because you have made this choice to show unconditional love. And you also have to show it to yourself. And you also have to realize that it is uncomfortable at times. 
And to be, to truly love somebody in an unconditional way, you have to take the rough with the smooth. And if, um, you know, sometimes there's uncomfortableness between you, but you know that you're going to come out okay because pain and growth are part of life. And, and you, you know, this is another thing that with kids, you have to allow them to experience their pain and their disappointment and grow at their own pace. And you, you have to do all that in order to love unconditionally. And again, I go back to this whole idea of forgiveness, right? You can't allow somebody to wipe their feet all over you, but you um, have to react in a better way, a kinder way, not for them necessarily, but for yourself. Be kinder than necessary. Show love to those who you think don't deserve it. And so I think when you're getting into this whole idea of unconditional love, you have to do something once a day, give something not wanting anything in in return. And it can be very simple, but it helps you to get into that spirit of unconditional love. So number three kind of, you know, fits into that. And deeply connected relationships set my soul on fire. I put, you know, putting others before yourself, being genuinely interested and appreciate appreciative of somebody else, that desire to help others, vulnerability, questioning, discussing, cognitive dissonance. That's a deeply connected relationship, patience and the ability not to take things personally, able to work through rejection and find perspective and wait for the right timing. Like, in a deeply co- connected relationship, those things are mutual. Like it's not you doing it all. That's a deeply connected uh, relationship. And that, you know, general, generally together, optimism, optimism and hope for the future. Sharing the ups and downs of life with perspective and a focus on making the world a better place. And I think in deeply connected relationships, we're looking for quality over quantity. Like I'm finding as I get older, for sure, I have less friend, I have friendships, but I have deeper friendships and less of them. And I'm completely fine with that. And I think that over the course of this um, pandemic, not seeing some people and then you're like, yeah, I would kind of be okay if I didn't really see them because I'm looking for deeply connected relationships. Number two, what sets my soul on fire is finding spiritual connection, seeking meaning and purpose and being drawn to hope and believing in goodness and cultivating goodness and forgiveness and compassion and mindfulness. And I think what spiritual connection means is that you are content in all things. You find peace not by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level and knowing that whatever happens, you've got this. So, I mean, I, all of these are a journey for me. And then number one for me, um, setting my soul on fire is passion and purpose. If you want to start a campfire with passion and purpose, you'd start with the foundation of your wood, your purpose, and then light the flame, which is your your passion. Passion is your compelling emotions behind your dreams. Your feelings drive your passion. 
purpose is the why behind it all. It's the reason for your um, existence. So passion is about emotion and purpose is the reason behind them. Sometimes your passion is more selfish. Purpose is not selfish and involves serving others. It's feeling joy about creating joy. It's about adding values to the lives of others that also creates value in your own life. It's it's win-win. That's purpose. And it actually requires you to put others first. And purpose usually has a sig- more of a significant focus. Passion, you know, you feel it can be wild and exciting. Purpose is focused. It's like I'm finding a purpose in this uh, podcast. So I'm not flustered by failure or criticism or if the results don't go according to plan. But I've, you know, I've, I've mapped out I'm, I want to do this for my personal growth. And for what I can do to inspire, like my vision for this stays the same. And that's my purpose. And, you know, it it is something that you fulfill in your life, and it makes you feel more complete. And passion can come and go, but purpose is forever and for the long term. So passion focuses on nouns, what do you love? What do you desire? Where purpose is your motivation, it's your why it brings in action so it it completes you so purpose and passion set my soul on fire I love to be passionate about something like creating something but that doesn't mean that um oh I loved sewing this or I loved cooking this that's passion about it but I made this really nice dinner last night with um, shrimp and chorizo sausage. And like it was really fun and I was very passionate about making it. But my overall purpose in life is that I got to serve that to my family and they enjoyed it. So, you know, it was a jambalaya for actually from Canadian Living. So if you get the March 2021 um Canadian living try both the there's a a spaghetti carbonara and this jambalaya in it and they're both fantastic recipes I was passionate and loved doing it but that isn't my wasn't my overall purpose my purpose is to bring joy to others so that is um my top 10 things that set my soul on fire I'm just going to go back up to number 10 and just go over them one more time. So number 10 was cre- being creative, creating things. Uh, number nine is, um, sorry, this is a long list of things that I have printed in here. Number nine is compassion and, and true empathy, set my soul on fire. Learning and understanding, set my soul. Rejection, rage, Success or achieving, meaning that I've achieved peace and balance is number five. Unconditional love is four. Um, Deeply connected relationships is three. Spiritual connection is two. And passion and purpose is number one. So those are the 10 things that set my soul on fire. 
So at the end of the month, which will be February 28th, I'm going to do the top 10 th keys to inner peace. So I'm going to keep on my top 10 list and uh, in March I'm probably going to invite a guest in. I might even uh, invite somebody in for the end of the month to talk about their keys to inner peace and just see, you know, get a different perspective on the whole thing. But uh, for the rest of, uh, till the end of February, remember to try a Campari crush. Think about the 10 things that set your soul on fire and uh, be fearlessly authentic. Thanks for coming by to listen to No Room for Phonies. I'll keep you updated on the production of the website and look for me always on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well as um, all the places that uh, you can listen to this podcast like uh, Spotify, etc., at Google, etc., etc. Thank you for joining me for No Room for Phonies, the top 10 things that set your soul on fire.